We've pared down quite a bit in the last couple of times we've moved, so we just don't have that much stuff anymore. You might say you live a Zen life. There's like a documentary about minimalism. Have you seen it? I may have seen it like on the sh- to, to be able to watch, but I don't think I've watched it. It's, it just sounds like a show about minimalism probably wouldn't last that long. It's a short show. Here are the three things in my backpack, and then that was it. That was all the show was. Welcome to Touchpoint, a podcast dedicated to discussions on digital marketing and digital patient engagement strategies for hospitals, healthcare systems, and physician practices. In this podcast, we'll dive deep into a variety of topics on the digital tools, solutions, strategies, and processes that are impacting our industry today. We hope to share a lot of great information and have fun along the way. And now, here are your hosts, Reed Smith and Chris Boyer. All right, and as always, that was Michael Vinsky reading the intro, and we are here for episode number 68. I am Reed, he is Chris, and we're, uh, we're glad to have you. This is the first time we've recorded in a, in a little bit. The last recording we, we did about a week and a half ago, but since then, a lot of things have happened, Reed. Uh, me and my wife, we basically picked up and moved. We moved into our new home here in South Minneapolis. Awesome. Yeah, that's great. Uh, you know, people probably don't know and, and yeah, quite honestly, probably don't care <laughs> what our recording schedule is, but typically we record weekly. And because we were at the conference there in Salt Lake City, the forums a couple of weeks ago, we were able to get a little bit ahead on some recording. And um, it worked out as I was traveling, you were moving, et cetera, et cetera. So and here we are recording again. So. And we'll be current. We'll we'll bring in some topical current news in today's. No, we won't. We'll we'll focus in on the things we always focus in on. We'll leave yeah. we'll leave uh, topical stories to other podcasts. Yes, absolutely. Uh, speaking of those other podcasts, if you if you have not uh, navigate over to touchpoint.health, check out the new shows: the Exam Room, the the Connected Hospital, Power of the Patient. Quite a few. All, all our new shows have new episodes, so go check those out. Man, those are just really, really thoughtful shows with some really cool guests and some cool hosts. So touchpoint.health. And while we're out there checking things out, maybe we should do a little check-in with one of our sponsors. What do you think, Reed? Absolutely. We are fortunate to have Loyal as one of our advertisers, as always, and uh, talk a little bit about their AI-driven platform today. People know that platform provides health systems with the tools needed to amplify patient feedback and guide patients through their digital journey. They have a multidisciplinary team of engineers, marketers, and data scientists, and they partner with some of the nation's leading health systems to promote patient loyalty through a smarter digital patient experience. There you go. Well, for more information to schedule a demo, visit them online at loyalhealth.com. That's loyalhealth.com. Okay. Today, you know, something that I think we've talked around and probably even talked to to some degree in a number of episodes, but, you know, we've talked about consumerism, talked about rating and review sites and all those types of things, but I'm not sure we've got in some of the nuances specifically relative to HCAPs and what we're talking today about Yelp, but it could be any of the rating and review sites, Google, Facebook, etc. I've always thought of HCAPs and fill-in-the-blank review site as, not I mean, not the same thing, but the same thing, 
Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. Um, uh, well, you know, when I first got exposed to HCAPS, I thought, oh my gosh, well, here's a great way that we're getting real-time feedback on what how consumers feel about our organization and what they, they're thinking. I thought, wow, that's really cool that they do that. And I've, I've been a patient a number of times there. We'd never had an HCAPS survey come my way, so I was really shocked to hear that that was something that, we're, that we were doing. So let's define what these things are. I, I don't want to just assume everyone knows what this is because I, I probably thought I knew what HCAPS was until I really started, you know, really spend some time with it. So other than, hey, that's how we interview our patients or that's the process in which we interview our patients, you know, wanted to get in a little bit deeper than that. So HCAPS or the Hospital Consumer Assessment of Healthcare Providers and Systems Survey, also known as CAPS Hospital Survey or Hospital CAPS, that's where the H CAPS comes from, is a standardized survey instrument and data collection methodology that's been used since 2006. Uh, and it's used to measure patients' perceptions of hospital care. All right, so while many hospitals collect information on patient satisfaction, HCAPS was created as a national standard. So this is a way that theoretically, I guess not theoretically, um, you can compare hospitals across the country, right? And so it's to support consumer choice or consumerism. They use data from 11 measures that they publicly report through Hospital Compare. And if those 11 measures allow you to do uh, the star ratings. Maybe we, should, we could talk a little bit about those. What those are, those, there's some composite topics, you know, that combine multiple questions from the HCAP survey. Nurse communication, that's a couple of questions that relate to that. Yep. Doctor communication yep. is another one of those. Yep. Uh, re- responsiveness of hospital staff. Pain management, which is an interesting one. Communication about medicines, discharge information, and care transition. Right. So those scores are made up of how you score multiple other questions. And then there are some individual questions that relate to the overall uh, scoring, I guess, which is cleanliness of the hospital environment and quietness of the hospital environment. (laughs) So important stuff. And I will say, not to get too far ahead, those are things that you do hear about cleanliness and quiet, so that more that comfort level, uh, you hear about that in the other rating interview sites. I missed out in all of this, Reed, where uh, they have, how warm is the meatloaf? <laughs> yeah, it's in there. It's in there, I'm pretty sure. I yeah. want to make sure we capture that. But um, there's a couple other topics too, right? Global topics like hospital rating which is a, a question, and then the willingness to recommend the hospital. Mm-hmm. Willingness to recommend a hospital, is that like net, net promoter scoring? It's got to be, right? Those are the 11 topics, or 11 things that comprise the HCAP star rating. Like, how is this used right now, Reed, in hospitals? Patients are surveyed, and then these, all these questions that are given, I think there's like, is there 32 of them or something like that? Did I read that somewhere? Are rolled up into these 11 categories, making it easier for you to compare hospitals, right? Now, some of the interesting part of all of this, I guess, is who is surveyed and when they're surveyed and, and, and quite honestly, how they're surveyed. So I think it's funny that they actually spell out 
who is eligible to participate? Well, you have to be 18 years or older at time of admission, so they're not going to survey minors. And then you have to have at least one overnight stay in the hospital as an inpatient. Okay. You cannot have a psychiatric principal diagnosis at the time of discharge. And not to be overlooked and extremely important, you have to actually be alive at the time of discharge. I guess it would be hard to respond to the survey if you weren't. Right. But they've spelled that out. That's like part, that's part of the thing here. Um, okay. Now, there are some other ways you can be disqualified. Otherwise, you would be qualified, I guess. And those are things like if you get discharged to hospice care, nursing homes, skilled nursing facilities. If you're a prisoner, you know, they're not going to, They're you know, you're over 18 and, you know, you're not... Uh, don't have a psychiatric um, diagnosis, but you're going back to jail. So they're not they're not calling you in prison asking you, you know, how clean your room was. <laughs> patients with a foreign address, and then no publicity patients. Um, I, I saw listed in here. Does that mean they don't call celebrities? Is that what that means? Maybe that's why we haven't been asked to clearly an HCAP survey, right? <laughs> clearly, clearly. <laughs> You know, what they're actually meaning about the no publicity patient is a patient who requested admission at the hospital not reveal that he or she is a patient and or that they opt out. So, you know, when you go in and you check in the hospital, you know, you can you have to give the hospital permission to uh, release information that you're there. And I used to run into this all the time, being the marketing director for a hospital in a small town. I would have churches call and say, Hey, we know our member such and such um, here at our church uh, is in the hospital. Uh, what room is she in? And you're looking at the oh, list, yeah. and it's like I can't tell you this, and I can't even I can't even confirm that she is here. But anyway, so that's that's what the no publicity patient part means. So that makes sense, then. But Reed, do all hospitals have to participate in HCAPs? Because I understand that if you report clinical data to CMS, to the government, you're eligible to participate in HCAPs, but not every hospital has to do HCAPs. Is that right? Well, there is a financial piece to this, right? Uh So, I mean, I I guess it depends if you want all your money or not, right? I guess so then there's an incentive to participate. Yeah. And so, and then quickly, you know, when are patients surveyed? Well, patients are sampled. The sampled patients, I should say, are surveyed between 48 hours and six weeks after discharge. Whoa. So that's a pretty big span, right? Because if you think about it, if you think about it, again, talking about our consumer rating sites, there's people writing reviews before they ever leave the hospital. Or even sitting in the hospital before they leave. Exactly. And what typically happens, you know, why are they writing those? It's not because they had a wonderful experience. It's because something happened in their tick. And so 48 hours, even six weeks later, do they have a chance to cool down? And maybe that's not as big of a deal. Ah, I see what you're getting at. I would say that even after six weeks, I might even forget some of the important details. Because quite frankly, when I leave a hospital, you know, the last thing I want to do is remember my experience that vividly, just because it's a traumatic experience. Or even if it was a positive experience, let's say, right? So let's say you went in for childbirth. Maybe there's a little scare and maybe you had kind of a rude nurse or something, you know, whatever the scenario is. Six weeks later, you're at home and everybody's healthy and happy or whatever. Maybe you're a little sleep deprived six weeks in, but still, has some of that dulled over or, you know, memories gotten a little fuzzy, you know, or do you really care at that point how rude the nurse was? And here's another big difference in my mind. You think about the consumer review sites. I would say, and I'm just going to pluck a number out of midair here. Uh, I don't know 
the actual number, but looking at like Yelp and Facebook and Google and those types of things, I would say 25% of those reviews that are written and, and ratings that are giving are done by someone other than the actual patient. Ah, yeah, that is true. It's like a family member talking about what happened to their loved right. one because they're the ones that are probably there observing things, looking in, make, having more of that astute observation. Again, back to right. that whole point of you're in the hospital or you're, you're having a care intervention you're probably focused on what's happening to you and not so much on all the things that are around you. Yeah. And, I mean, think about it. When I was in, we, we have three kids. And so I've been in three times with my wife to have a baby. They're not terribly concerned with me. Like I'm not the one they're concerned with. And everything went great. We had no issues all three times, extremely fortunate. And everything was smooth sailing. Mm -hmm. But... If you're somebody that feels like you need to be involved and you're not getting the attention in that scenario, you're maybe get rubbed the wrong way. But yet the patient, which that's who's going to get surveyed through HCAPS, everything was fine. They won't even notice that there's something wrong. Yeah, in HCAPS, we don't care about this lady's granddaughter. Yeah, exactly. So what does that mean? Well, okay, so what you're saying, though, Reed, from if I'm following your logic, then, there's like a distinct, it's not only the fact that they're surveying people like days after they're, you know, they're in the hospital, but we might be measuring different things. HCAPs and Google reviews or Yelp reviews, they might be measuring different things from different people. I think so. So, okay. So that's age caps, right? I mean, we're, we're surveying about very specific things. You, you rattled them off. Right. So there, there's and that's how we make up these scores. And, and I get that because we're trying to compare apples to apples between hospitals. Let, let's flip over and look at Yelp for just a second of, of what it of what it is. So Yelp was founded in 2004 by a couple of people that, you know, were former PayPal employees. Initially, people thought of it as a way to rate and review what? Restaurants, right? I mean, that, that, was, that, that was kind of the thing. Uh, now, they have pulled in some interesting data into those hospital listings or profiles and things like that that you don't have control of. And so they allow for ratings and reviews. Uh, those ratings and reviews may or may not stay public on your Yelp page, whether you claim that Yelp listing or not. They filter reviews off the page. And, and I get it, right? They don't want people gaming the system. Now, I think, you know, some of the, the pushback against that has been we're getting a lot of positive reviews filtered off the page. And, you know, people claim, claim, I don't have any firsthand experience with this, that once they started advertising, that wasn't an issue anymore. That all the that if they go in and they they do the advertising, then suddenly all the positive reviews come all back, and they're flooding their their Yelp accounts. So so that does sound a little bit like gaming the system, and I've heard that too. It's not like I've just made this up. I mean, it was in an article in Business Week, I think, is where I saw it. Um, that's the criticism. Now, there's no hard and fast like here's an exact example, and that's that's where this kind of comes in. But but anyway, it's it's a rating and review site. Okay, whether they game the system or not, and there's other rating and review sets that I'm sure that they do game the yep. system that we probably don't know about. But it sounds to me a little bit like HCAPS is gaming the system too with their requirements. There's certain people they don't want to review, they don't want to ask questions of. But the one thing I noticed about Yelp though, it's, it's pretty much freeform. 
It's like you can rate and review them about anything. It's a one to five scale and you can write whatever you want and you, it doesn't calculate a score. You just pick your score. I mean, it's not like you answer a jillion questions and then you get this score. Now the argument is, I think for most hospitals, is that, well, th these rating and review sites do not hold a candle to our CAPS survey. Like, you know, our CAPS survey gives the better overall picture of our organization. If I was clinically minded and thinking about the strategic, you know, the, the, the makeup of how HCAPS is calculated and it's very much, you know, like systemic, it has a system around it that we can actually look at and it standardizes the data, I would say that too. HCAPS is a much more reliable me benchmark measurement of how people are reacting to our health system. The, the other piece of that is just the volume. Because we're going to have way more HCAP survey data in responses and results than we are uh, even adding up Facebook, Yelp, and Google sites, just from a volume standpoint. You know, we, we've seen in some of these articles, but I know from my own experience, I'm looking at my spreadsheet right here. I've pulled down the information out of eight states, so a little over a thousand hospitals all their Facebook, all their Google, and all their Yelp reviews. So how many they got, what the average score was, and how many per hospital. Yelp is not big. You know, we, we've seen uh, a little over 9,000 reviews. The hospitals are averaging across these eight states, the hospitals are averaging less than nine reviews on Yelp. Well, I mean, it kind of makes sense, though, if you think about it, right? Because it's one app. Yelp. Mm -hmm. Whereas HCAPS, you don't have to go download the app, become a member of Yelp to start reviewing it, or become a member of HCAPS. You're just sitting there and the hospitals can proactively reach out to you and you know they can call you or they can they mail the surveys to you or they do mail and telephone yeah. follow-up, mixed modes. There's a lot of different ways that they're getting this feedback. Yeah, they're proactively going after it. And I want to come back to that of should we proactively drive people to Facebook, Google, and Yelp to write reviews. We can get back to that here in a minute. But in essence, there's a piece of research that was written a couple of years ago now, back in 2016. It was initially published uh, at healthaffairs.org. The original abstract is titled, Yelp Reviews of Hospital Care Can Supplement and Inform Traditional Surveys of the Patient Experience of Care. And really what they're talking about is the fact that you can use things like they're talking about Yelp specifically, but I think the same argument could be made for the other rating and review sites, fill in the blank. So primarily we're talking, we're talking Google, Yelp, and Facebook, but there are reviews on yellowpages.com or, or whatever. And, and, and strangely enough, there's the random one or two a year that show up in the Better Business Bureau or, you know, there's health grades and vitals and more the, the, the uh, uh, WebMDs and the, you know, the more healthcare focused sites. But, but in essence, you can make that argument out of any of them that they could supplement HCAPs. What's interesting too in the study is that they did a, they found that um, through Yelp users' overall ratings of hospitals within at least three reviews, it correlated strongly with overall HCAP scoring. So even though all of these differences that we're talking about, about Yelp versus HCAPs, there's a correlation between the two. So there is, I, I get that, um, that there's sort of that, as you called it, right, the 
the the supplemental part of Yelp being part of HCAPS. And, and I think one of the interesting quotes uh, that was writ- that was pulled, I guess, from this particular study, um, and, and, and it was actually by a guy named Benjamin Renard. He's a medical s- student at the University of Pennsylvania, or at least he was at the time. And he said, uh, current hospital ratings based on HCAPS may be missing the major drivers of patient overall experience of care. When Yelp users give an overall hospital rating, they are presumably writing a narrative review about the aspects that went into their overall rating. They pick one to five, and then they tell you why they picked one to five in a narrative form, right? Whereas in HCAPS, the overall hospital rating may not reflect the ratings in the HCAPS domains or all those sub-questions. Yelp topics may provide a more nuanced view of aspects of hospital quality that patients value. Interesting. Okay, so by the mere fact that you're kind of leaving it open-ended and allowing them to do the overall rating and, and, and rate whatever that part of that experience that they want to rate, it's actually giving you a different measurement entirely. And that measurement may be very insightful to the overall experience that that individual had and that's and when we say individual, I was very careful to say it could be the patient or it could be a family member now, right? The overall experience, that's really cool because, because now what that can do for you is, first of all, it says that, you know, we can create the best system in the world to try to measure things, but hey, give the hands over to, you know, the users and let them measure it for yourself. And you're also getting a strong benchmark indicator of how you're doing. Hey, we want to take a moment to thank one of our sponsors, and that's our good friends at Binary Fountain. You know, as a healthcare marketer, it's probably pretty obvious these days how much time you're spending uh, on reviews, ratings relative to hospitals, physicians, all that kind of good stuff. You know, too many of those are going unanswered, and they're certainly not being analyzed. This could be costing us new and current customers. It could be impacting our patient experience scores and potentially impacting our revenue. Luckily, our good friends at Binary Fountain have an online reputation management platform called Binary Health Analytics. If you'd like to learn more or even schedule a demo, visit them online at binaryfountain.com. That's binaryfountain.com. So if you look at if you look at HCAPS and you're wanting to understand how well hospitals in your market, in your town, you know, whatever you're comparing against, I guess, how well do they manage pain? Great. Okay. There's a score for that, right? And so you can look at all of them and go, here's what all these people told me and how well, how well do they handle discharge information or the transition of care? So if you're taking, you know, if you're trying to figure out where, you know, your elderly parent needs to be transition to care is going to be important you know things like cleanliness quietness things like that are going to be important the difference is is on yelp not everyone is going to talk about the same thing so it's really hard to compare the individual scores i think that's the hard part to me about yelp and google and facebook is it's like okay well you have an average of you know, like on Yelp, for example, again, those eight states that we've looked at, the average score is 2.81 from Yelp. But they're not all rating the same thing. Well, maybe that's not the point. You're not supposed to compare these now. What you're supposed to do is maybe using, 
Yelp, and this is me thinking through, thinking it through, right? Yelp is giving you a really like sort of litmus test as to how you're overall performing. And it's not in comparison to other hospitals, which, you know, arguably you're comparing yourself to other mediocre experiences. Now you're comparing yourself to the perception that consumers have of you in this new age of consumerism, which is a different metric entirely. It's interesting. It's like it's almost to me like you're going to have to go to Yelp and read all the reviews and, and understand thematically, is there, is there a theme here? Are they all complaining about billing? Are they all complaining about wait time? Are they all complaining about you know the care they received? Or how loud it was, or how rude people were, or or whatever, right? Like, what, what what themes am I getting out of this? So, in my mind, I have to do more work on those rating and review sites to really understand how applicable those reviews are to me. What you're talking about here is something that in another article that you found that from the Washington Post, published back in 2016, uh, it kind of has this diagram in it. We'll link to it in the show notes where it shows some of the differences between an HCAPS questions and Yelp topics and how using, I guess in, in this article they refer to like sorry, natural language processing, NLP, where you're able to actually start to assess certain things. So let, let's just, let me, let me run a couple of these by you. So in the HCAPS domain, an HCAPS questions could be how often the nurses treat you with courtesy and respect, how often do nurses listen carefully to you, how often did nurses explain things in a way you could understand? But the Yelp topic in their like domain is around rude doctors and nurses communication. <laughs> the nurses asked, told, didn't, or didn't, you know, the doctor questions rude or whatever. And they gave an example here. I asked a question. The nurse snapped at me with a raised voice and very condescendingly asked me if there was anything else I did not understand. <laughs> no one deserves to be treated like that for a question that is asked of their healthcare professional, right? I mean, it's a whole different way of looking at that same kind of thing. It is. It is. And so, um, again, looking at one of these, this, this particular article is from Medscape that, that was some commentary on that same study. Something interesting is that a comparison of the domains among Yelp review that NHCAP surveys revealed that nine Yelp topics discussed overlapped with seven domains in HCAP surveys. Yet a dozen domains in Yelp reviews were left out of HCAP surveys, including things like cost of the hospital visit, insurance and billing, ancillary testing, facility amenities. So, I mean, you know, there's nothing in HCAPs about the cafeteria necessarily or the parking. I knew it. The meatloaf wasn't in there. It wasn't in there at all. Scheduling, compassionate staff, family member care. So we talked about that. We touched on that earlier, right? But more from the family member's point of view. Uh, quality of the nursing staff, quality of the technology, like how news all the stuff, right? Uh, so it, there wasn't any of that stuff in there. And it says further, 80% of the topics that appear to drive overall positive Yelp review ratings did not exist among HCAPS domains at all. These topics tended to relate more to the caring, comfort behavior, uh, and personal uh, th than the actual hospital services. Similarly, among five Yelp topics most heavily correlated with the overall negative ratings on the site too, which was cost of the hospital visit and insurance and billing are not in HCAPs. That's why we see all these comments, I mean, I'm probably not why we see, but so many negative reviews online are about billing. There we go. 
But and that's kind of some of the most important things that are driving consumerism. Mm -hmm. So go, going back, right? Cost of hospital visit, insurance billing. Those are some of the things we we we've talked before on this on this podcast read around pricing transparency. These are some of the things that are driving the industry to become more consumeristic in their approach because they're starting to compete with other things that are, you know, cheaper and and more convenient. But some of this other stuff, scheduling, mm -hmm. that is such a pain point. And HCAPS doesn't say that. They don't ask about how easy was it to make your appointment or to reschedule your right. appointment. Right. Interesting. Another interesting point here is uh, with 42% of internet users heading to social media for consumer reviews of health services and only 6% of Americans ever having heard of the Hospital Compare website <laughs> in 2008, there could be some important lessons from the information contained in one uh, in, in online consumer reviews that can be used to improve current, more uh, formal rating and review systems. So they do talk about some of the things that we've touched on, which is the drawback, right? So Yelp includes the motivation of the user. Mm -hmm. So whether it's Yelp or Facebook or Google or any other rating and review site, you have to want to go do that. Like you have to be motivated to go do that versus the solicited responses to age caps, you know, which some of those are even mail with a phone follow-up. It's a multiple step, you know, trying to get you to fill that thing out. Now I've seen some organizations start to solicit Yelp reviews as well, though, right? Had a good experience, r review us on Yelp. Uh, and that started before in retail, and now that's kind of cascaded over. I started seeing it in, like, my dentist and then my eye doctor, and now I'm starting to see it actually in urgent care centers and and uh, primary care offices, too. Which which Yelp doesn't even want you to do. Like, they'll, they'll tell you that's illegal. Like, you can't solicit reviews. Which I'm like, well, then quit sending people stickers to put on their front door. But anyway, that's a whole, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother <laughs> deal. And I guess from like online advertising is maybe how they police that. They don't want you soliciting responses because they feel that's going to bias the system, right? Like you're just, you're only going to ask for reviews from people you know that are going to give you good reviews. And there probably is a little bit of truth to that, but some of that is just how people deal with other people, right? <laughs> if you know somebody's having a bad experience, it probably didn't come to mind to be like, you know what, I need to make sure and remind them to go review us when they get home, you know, once I make sure that they're not going to punch me in the face. And so this is why, like, in hospitals, we always made the posters to go on, like, the patient doors, but we only put them on, like, labor and delivery, about like go, go rate and review us because we don't really want anybody else rating and reviewing us. Just the people having babies. We can do the best to try to measure customer experience through like age caps or other things like that. We can do the the best survey in ever. What if we just give it over to the users to actually tell us what they feel about it? Isn't that giving us just as equal amount of uh, value as an organization? It is if we can measure it. And I think that's the problem. You know, the, the upside to HCAPS is that it's consistent. Now how, now how it's administered and things like that, you know, we can argue about all of that, I guess. But if we can figure out how to take what people are saying and decipher that into a way that we're able to relate that back to similar categories, maybe. And, you know, there are vendors out there that do that type of a thing and have dashboards that help with these types That's of right. things. But you have to figure out a way 
uh, to measure and report um, around these types of things so you can understand how to make what people are saying actionable. I knew this would all lead back to artificial intelligence reading. Artificial intelligence and machine learning. Every episode. There you go. Yeah. Every episode. <laughs> hey, Chris, before we go too much further, jump into this next segment of the podcast. I did want to uh, mention and thank uh, one of our sponsors, Influence Health. Uh, you know, they've got a consumer experience platform that, that covers several things. And correct me if I'm wrong, but we've we've talked about content management systems on this podcast. Yeah, we did. What about CRMs? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we covered CRMs for sure. And then obviously each and every week we talk about digital marketing. So digital marketing systems, uh, you know, in one way, shape or form have probably been covered, right? That's right. Digital marketing systems. And I would say that we even talk about it in a way of uh, that overall digital consumer experience. Well, there you go. I, you know, I would I would recommend for anybody interested in one of those topics uh, or anything else. They've also got some complimentary solutions on their website. But but head over to their website, take a look at what they've got and what they're offering relative to CMS, CRM, digital marketing systems. Kind of how all that is woven together in what they call their consumer experience platform. Find your way over to influencehealth.com. Touch point. Touch counterpoint. There are two sides to every story. Ready? Fight! All right, Reed, we get to face off on an argument. And I was thinking about this. I actually kind of brought it up earlier in our conversation uh, when we were talking about the differences between HCAPs and Yelp and all of that. I have a good argument on this side okay. here. So my topic of argument is that we do not need to build systems of measurement of hospital quality, of hospital care, of hospital experience. Forget all those weird ways that we're going around measuring and, and trying to determine all of this stuff and making it standard. Because of the Yelp success as being a benchmark for how your hospital is actually performing, all you need to do is turn it over to the users, let them rate open-ended on a one to five star rating that's all you need. You don't need a system to measure anymore. Mm. That seems a little extreme. Um, <laughs> I think it would be hard, based on some of my comments earlier, uh, to compare those. You, you st we still have to figure out a way to make the reviews apples to apples. If one hospital's reviews are only about the parking and the cafeteria and not anything about the clinical care and the other one's all about the clinical care, those are not the same review. So this guy's 4.5 and that guy's 4.5 are totally different. I don't know, Reed. I mean, yeah, I mean, to that specific instance, yeah, you are indeed correct. If someone's rating you on how well your parking lot is as opposed to the other person on how well they performed, I get that there's a difference there. And sure, you can implement tools like, as we talked about, machine learning, artificial intelligence, those sorts of things. But at the end of the day, if we just start to encourage people to do open-ended five-star reviews about whatever they feel that we did, how well we did, it's going to eventually normalize. The data did for Yelp and HCAPs, it's going to normalize. It's, and I would even argue in an extreme way that it would normalize for clinical care as well. Why don't we just start having users rate us hospitals on how we, well we perform heart surgery and and orthopedic surgery and all of those things. <laughs> yeah, they'd probably like to. I just don't know. Well, first off, you would still have to administer this. 
like H caps, right? Or you're not going to get, we're going to end up with nine reviews per hospital like we have with Yelp. I mean, that's, that's the knock, right? Is it's like, there's just not enough data there. And then I guess the problem I've got with it is like, okay, well maybe the clinical care was appropriate, but not popular. So what are you going to get then? Okay. Okay. So let me address each point in turn. First of all, Number of reviews, I agree with you. Nine reviews as opposed to, you know, thousands of reviews would be great. But Facebook, Google, Yelp, and all these other sites, there's a, there's a dozen different sites out there that you can do reviews on. They just need to all agree to be five-star, let them write whatever the heck they want to do, and then the hospital, all they have to do is aggregate all that data together, and you're going to get it in numbers. You're going to get those numbers. So you're not going to have the All they're going to have to do is aggregate it together. Like, that's just the easiest thing in the world. We're just going to hit export and then import it into Tableau or something, and we're going to build some table. Like, what in the world? Like, where is that going to come from? Well, I mean, of course, you need some, you know, good data administrators or mm-hmm. some, you know, partners to help you with that. But and still. We, and, we, and we know how well hospital invest in, you know, data administrators. <laughs> Wait, hold on, though. The other problem that you have here, Reed, is that it boils back to the Schrodinger's cat kind of philosophy. And if you call what that means is, is that anything that is observed is the data is skewed anyway. So if you're starting to measure and you're developing a system to measure how well you're performing, and whatever that benchmark is, you're obviously right just by doing that, developing that system, you're skewing the results. You're skewing the results in a particular favor anyway. You're getting a bias in there that is not necessarily intended. No matter how well we try to be objective about our measurements, you're going to get a biased record anyway. So you might as well just turn it all over to the people that are out there and give them five stars and a big empty box to write whatever the heck they want to write. Well, I mean, we already have, I guess. I mean, there's, what, at least you know, a half dozen of the places they can do that. Uh, I guess it just comes down to if hospitals are going to use it or not. I was obviously arguing extreme, Reed. I'm going to come back off the, the ledge here. Obviously, that's a little bit of extreme position, but I think that there's a lot that can be learned from those types of reviews, don't you think? Well, there absolutely is. In, we, we put a process in place when one of our clients was going through the Baldrige process of, you know, how, you know, how the information is collected, how do we aggregate it, how do we put it in some way that we can learn from it, you know, and then how do we take and improve processes with it. And so I think that's what's important. This is perception data, and you've got to figure out what the perception is, because in a lot of cases, perception, or in all cases, perception is reality. back with the Ask the Expert portion of the podcast, and today I am very fortunate to be joined by uh, someone that I've known for a number of years and probably, not probably, certainly has uh, a fair amount to do with why I'm even working in healthcare. So excited to have BG Porter. BG, thanks for uh, spending a few minutes with us. Hi, Reed. It's nice to be with you. Uh, for those uh, that work in hospitals, uh, the uh, the organization, the Studer Group, is probably not a uh, 
a foreign concept and something that, that many, many folks have heard of, work with, have worked with, all that kind of good stuff. And BG, you spent a number of years, obviously, with Suter Group as the CEO and, and running that organization before the transition to Huron, where you're now a managing director. You've been with Studer for how long? Early, right around 2000 or That's so? Right. Is that I joined Quint Studer, who founded the firm, about a year into him having started it. So I joined him in 2001 and was president of the company until 2010 and became CEO. And then we became part of Huron in 2015. We're talking a lot about, and we do, Chris and I, on a number of these episodes, talk a lot about patient experience and what digital uh, means, uh, I guess, kind of in that realm. And and you guys and Quint and, and others have kind of scripted and looked at the way uh, not just consumers interact with hospitals, but pay, uh, you know the patient side, but also the physician side, uh, employees, you know the community as a whole. I guess, and a lot of that, I, I feel like in recent years, in probably when you guys started, because I, quite honestly, around two thousand, there wasn't really much of an internet. I mean, there was, but. Right. It wasn't it wasn't what we know of it today. Are you hearing that from hospitals or are organizations coming back and saying, we're not sure what to do with fill in the blank, you know, now that now that everybody has a voice, so to speak, online? Well, the the ecosystem is evolving and it's changed a lot. In the early days of the Studer Group, organizations sought to differentiate themselves based on creating a great place to work for employees and having satisfied employees. And by that you could then influence the experience for physicians and influence the experience for patients. And you could build market share by having more satisfied patients and physicians who would refer others to your organization when things like technology were commoditized. The early days of of the work that we were doing focused on um, employee satisfaction in order to then build great patient satisfaction. That became a differentiator in the marketplace. But the environment then really has evolved to one around engagement, which is really beyond satisfaction for employees or physicians, and then for patients and consumers, which is putting in that incremental effort, really being committed to an organization. And so the the evolution of consumerism has been really transformative. We never used to hear healthcare systems and hospitals talk about consumers. They really only talked about patients. But today they talk about consumers and having a strategy related to consumers and involving digital related to that because it's it's just transformative in the in the ecosystem for them. When you think of we and you said we used to talk about patients versus consumers, how, how is that different in your mind now? Well, one is the the sophistication of recognizing that those who were directly receiving care may or may not be representing themselves. So with an, you know, we have, we have some parallel trends around an aging population, just like we have uh, consumerism rising. And then we also have the growth of millennials. So you have different population groups that want to access healthcare in very different ways. And so sometimes we're working directly with the patient. Sometimes we're working with the spouse or the children of a patient. And those are really consumers. And as more care moves out of the hospital uh, and the four walls of the hospital into a health system, and we really see health systems focusing more on health instead of um, sickness, then you're really dealing with healthy patients and consumers at the front end. So truly, there's a marketing connection. There's a quality connection. Uh, there's a delivery connection. And so are you seeing that people are willing to choose healthcare providers, whatever a provider means, 
we used to only say physicians, but I don't think that's entirely true anymore. But uh, are people choosing healthcare in a different way? Are they going about that a different way than they used to? They are. I mean, there, there are more sources of information from the consumer's perspective for making their choices, obviously, around physicians that they go to, around the, the health system they work with, the influence they have in their communities, whether they're social networks uh, or live. And also the physical borders are, are a lot less uh, meaningful or relevant. For example, my own personal health care, I maintain with a, uh, a physician practice called Signature Medicine, uh, part of Baylor Healthcare back in Dallas. And uh, I may only visit physically one time a year, but I'm connected every month uh, with the with the physician's office and to as a gateway and a portal to the entire practice and healthcare system. We talk about telemedicine and those types of things and the benefit of that. And, and especially, you know, we talk about Texas, it's, you know, from a geography standpoint, so diverse, you know, that's a greater way to get you know, expertise into areas that maybe historically, you know, could not attract a physician with that subspecialty or there's not enough, uh, you know, volume of, of uh, business for that particular physician to be there that often. So anyway, telemedicine is that interesting connection. Um, but, you know, it's also, I guess, maybe changed the way that we view, you know, how we receive care. So that experience has now gone away from only what I guess is in the the brick and mortar and into the online space. That's why health systems talk about um, access to healthcare through any portal. And the portal may be the front door of the hospital. It might be the physician's practice, might be the emergency department, it might be retail clinics, and it might be online or telemedicine. And so from the consumer's perspective, their choice is important speed and access, especially for that younger millennial population of getting care when they want it immediately and responsive. So you even see telemedicine as a really vital part of a lot of um, commercial health plans and employers plans. And even on our own organization with over 1,200 consultants, young consultants, young families, they, one of the greatest benefits is the access to healthcare through telemedicine. So from the consumer's perspective and employer's perspective, it's powerful um, and likewise, the, the telemedicine is efficient for healthcare systems to cover more geography, just like you said. And, and I think, you know, that those access points uh, is a really interesting conversation because now we're looking at, you know, retail clinics and grocery stores and CVS and Walgreens giving flu shots or wh- whatever it may be. And so you talk about the evolution of, you know, creating, you know, a more satisfied workplace, you know, generating uh, that loyalty in the in long-term business, but now people are looking for engagement. W- what are they looking for specifically? How do, how do they want to be engaged outside of what we've traditionally seen? Consumers are becoming more sophisticated and they want the brand promise to be fulfilled by an organization. So you can't simply create a, a, a tagline or a brand image and then have the experience be inconsistent with that or consumers will see that. And with the access to information and publication around news and comparisons, et cetera, they can really see how effectively from a quality standpoint and a service standpoint, healthcare organization will walk its talk. So the the consumers are, are much more demanding in that way. And health systems are recognizing that. And that's why they are, they're investing significantly in their digital transformation, connecting their own operations and seamlessness for the for the patient experience throughout the whole health system. I mean, there's nothing that bothers patients more 
then the disconnects and absence of information and transfer of information and repetitiveness that can happen with something as precious as the health care of a loved one. So when you're looking at choosing and you're talking about this consumerism of health care, you know, one of the things that comes to mind for me are, are rating and review scores. And so you can go to Google, you can go to Facebook, you can go to Yelp, you know, you can go to these consumer driven platforms, even health grades, vitals, things like that. And see a handful of scores around uh, a hospital, around a physician specifically. You know, it's nothing compared to what we see coming through the CAP side or the HCAP side of the equation. And so we're starting to see that transparency initiative where hospitals are putting those scores online and things like that. Do we need hospitals to take and, and healthcare systems take more of an active role in, you know, making sure that, that, that the information and the valid information is out there for consumers to find? That's a really interesting question because there, there are different approaches to data uh, sources and they mean different things. So some of the ratings and online forms are useful to get uh, anecdotes and comments and sort of and the consumer really kind of has to make their own assessment of the data that's, that's available out there. The measurement systems that you reference, like HCAPs or the CAP surveys, are an evolution of healthcare from the earliest tools measuring patient satisfaction to now measuring patient experience. And what they're truly measuring is the consistency of care. From a standpoint of quality, those, those measurement tools are valuable to say how consistent was the communication with doctors how consistent was the communication with nurses? How consistently was your pain managed? Always, sometimes, never, et cetera. What we're also seeing and we're early stages is in is even more real-time use of data, information, and conversations. For example, we see organizations kind of manually monitoring their social networks. If they are getting indications that people are posting statuses, say, in the emergency room, and they're waiting a period of time and it's frustrating them, they'll immediately deploy resources to go talk with that patient and understand the expectations, et cetera. That's, that's sort of real-time monitoring of what's going on from a digital standpoint. Then the other is organizations are increasingly trying to blend informal and unstructured information about experiences with those structured measurement of how the experience was. There are organizations that are building algorithms to draw on words and other uh, and key phrases and, and other indicators to um, complement what you get in sort of that experience level information with more real-time feedback from consumers of what they're saying outside of those surveys. Most folks that, that listen to this podcast are obviously in a hospital or healthcare system. Most of them in the marketing communication field. There are some others, but most of them are marketing communication professionals. I have still yet to see an overwhelming uh, roles within hospitals that are exclusively sponsored on. People are still siloed to some degree uh, across these organizations. Not everybody, but some of them. If you've got something to convey to these marketing folks, what should they be doing around this topic? Are there people within the organization they should become best friends with? Are there things that they can go and, you know, it's pretty, you know, low-hanging fruit, some, some, some easy lifting that they can kind of go and determine where, where their organization lies, what maybe they should start looking at going forward. You know, I don't think there's a better place to be in a health system actually today than um, having responsibility for help, helping move the health system into the 21st century from a technology standpoint. And there, there, there are several dimensions to that. 
but one of the most critical is the digitization of of the organization. And the way I would think about it is that uh, the, the professionals that you just identified to me are stewards of the values of the organization. And uh, the best way for an organization in healthcare to deliver on its mission is to truly embrace and embody the values of that organization and demonstrate them in the way that they are building their, their presence day in and day out for staff, for the medical staff, for the consumers, for the patients that experience that system. The influencers in the healthcare system to continue to try to get close to and influence, I believe increasingly our medical staff leadership, our physicians and doctors. They now are, are fully part of healthcare systems uh, because that transformation from the independent doc to uh, employed doc has largely occurred. They're the, they're the gateway to our health system and they are the uh, central point of care delivery. You know, sometimes people will say that physicians are sort of slow to change or resistant and oh goodness, the electronic medical record as an example, or um, using voice transcription, what a, what a heavy lift that is. I find that physicians are incredible learners, incredibly curious. And if you connect to them the why something is valuable and it's going to improve patient care and improve the efficiency of time for them, they're incredibly responsive. And then with their influence, you can really change a whole healthcare organization. I think that's great. Well, I could continue down this path for for a while, but um, I know you've got uh, places to go and and things to do. And I I certainly appreciate your time. I I know I personally owe a lot of debt to you and Quint and others at the Studer Group, especially for a lot of development early in my career. And uh, I was just really excited that... uh, uh, you were able to take a few minutes and and uh, and chat today. So, man, I certainly appreciate it. For those that want to connect with you online, what's the best way to do that? Well, I want to thank you, Reed. I, I really appreciate the difference that you're making with this and encourage you to keep doing the great work that you're doing. I'm part of Huron Healthcare. Studer Group is the leadership capability and the rest of the firm also has capabilities around technology, strategy, innovation, performance improvement. You can reach us at studergroup.com or at HuronConsultingGroup.com. And I'm BG Porter and um, delighted to have been with you today. Hey, thanks again. And I'm sure we'll talk soon. All right. Take care, Reed. All right. So a great episode. We're wrapping up episode 68 on should you use Yelp or should you use HCAPS? So um, (laughs) not sure that's exactly uh, the way you should view that. But any, anyway, it's been a really interesting discussion just talking about HCAPs uh, and the consumer mm-hmm. review sites and kind of what that means for digital and what that means from a perception standpoint and a consumerism standpoint. So what is, what's coming up? It seems like, you know, we've got a few things, I guess, over the summer. Uh, more to come on some of the conferences in the uh, – it may, may even have one towards the end of the summer. So, I you know, I'll kind of tease that out there. But – would love to hear from you all uh, what you like, what you don't like. Uh, certainly appreciate the support. Please rate and review and all that kind of good stuff. Keep an eye out for our, our website as well. We'll be posting information on there through our show notes and things like that and our Twitter feeds and all that other fun stuff. That's a great way for us to plug other things that we're doing to read. That's right. All right. So uh, recommendations. What, what do you have this week? Well, read, as I said, said at the top of the show, I moved this week. So my recommendation is related to the fact that whenever you move, you should always hire movers. Mm. 
forget about the old thing about getting your friends and calling them up and saying, look, I'll promise you a six pack of beer and some pizza. No way. Always hire professional movers. I'm telling you, they are professional. They show up on time. They schlep your boxes up and down the stairs or the whatever. You know, you get the right movers. They're going to be very conscientious of your, your moving. And, you know, at the end of the day, you're left with like, you know, they have the room staged for you, basically. All you get to do is then unpack the boxes and put everything back. It just makes life so much easier. And as a side tip, if you're early in your career or maybe even in college and you own a truck, go sell it immediately. Yeah. Or you're going to be exactly. helping everyone move forever. No, that's that's a great tip. That's a great tip. Save your back. Save your back. Um, exactly. All right, so my, mine's a little bit different. And it's a little, I'm going to make this recommendation. Well, it'll make more sense when I make it, but I don't know how this is going to turn out. But I did get an email today from Netflix because I I watch a lot of Netflix, especially traveling and things like that, uh, about one of my favorite shows of all time. Season five is coming out of one of my favorite shows of all time. Uh, What is that going to be next week? On Tuesday, the 29th, Arrested Development Season 5. Yeah, I, I got that email too, Reed. Yeah. Now, I have to say, I kind of dropped off at Season 3. So, the first, for, for those that don't know, the first three were the ones that were on, um, I don't even remember what network they were on, but they were on television from what, what was that, like 2004 to seven or somewhere in there? Something like that, it seems like. And the show got canceled, right? Because nobody was watching it. And then surprisingly, it got some sort of a cult following. And so Netflix bought it a few years ago and created season four, probably two or three years ago now, two years ago. I don't, I don't know when season four came out to mixed reviews. Um, so it wasn't as good as the first three seasons. Uh, season four was actually one storyline told from each character's perspective. So each episode was from somebody else's perspective of the same episode. Does that make sense? I think so. And some of them were better than others. Um, Some of them are really funny, and some of them just weren't very good. I'm anxious to see what season five is like. Uh, I'm a huge Jason Bateman fan. He cracks me up. Just that, that whole cast is really good. So anyway, I'm excited about that. Rest of Development, season five, May the 29th. I might have to catch up on those at Netflix there. Catch up on season four and then get ready for season five. Uh, it's awesome. Season two is probably my favorite. I'll go back and randomly watch one of those episodes every now and then. So, Well, awesome, Reed. Good episode as always. Uh, for those of you listening in, we really appreciate all the support. Jump out to touchpoint.health to learn more about our other shows. Be sure to rate us and review us on iTunes. And for Touchpoint, I'm Chris Boyer and he's Reed Smith. See you next week. This has been a Touchpoint Media production. To learn more about this show and others like it, please visit us online at touchpoint.health.